0: April 13th, April 13th, that should really be April Fool's, not April 1st, Yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah. But uh, well, it's good to see you folks here, and uh, of course those watching on the internet or those that will be watching at a latter time, uh, we're going to be hitting a very, very important subject once again. But uh, I'm Pastor Rich, uh, pastor at Union Grove Baptist Church, and this is our headquarters also. For prophecy-focused ministries, and uh, which falls underneath now the Union Grove umbrella, so we're always happy to see folks. We're always looking to, on Wednesday nights, take a look at current events, what's taking place in the light of Bible prophecy. So we'll announce our topic in just a few minutes. But uh, good to see you, Josh, my good buddy. It's good to be seen always. Uh, how's your mic doing? Oh, Check you're on. on okay. Uh, I'm deaf, so I I read your lips. Okay. I'm not really. That's,
1: that's scaring me, because. That's why I stare at you all the time. uh, It's not,
0: it's it's not, not because of anything else, brother. It's just I can't hear very well.
1: I was wondering. Uh,
0: Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Getting back to seriousness here. Uh, by the way, uh, we do like to have a good time, don't we? We do. I mean, uh. Uh, this uh, Friday night, we're going to have a giant Seder get-together at our church. Uh, now, if you're, you're watching this tonight, sorry, we are basically sold out, except for if you call and talk real nice to me, I might be able to get a couple more in. Uh, but uh, we got about 230 people signed up to come. It's going to be a wonderful demonstration as well as uh, a great meal. So wonderful things coming up here. That's this Friday night at 530, so everybody do not forget that signed up. And what's happening this Sunday? Easter. Easter. All right. Resurrection Day. And uh, we're really looking forward to that. So, uh, folks, the greatest holiday on earth, for me personally, is Easter, the resurrection of Christ. That's where it all comes together. So this Sunday, uh, we'll be having an Easter message, of course. We'll have a great time together. And uh, we'll be finally on the path to the resurrection. So we'll talk about that this Sunday. Have some great music, some good time of fellowship, and uh, that all starts right here at uh, Union Grove Baptist at 9 a.m. And by the way, if you're watching on the internet, uh, that's Union Grove Baptist in Wisconsin, where the Union Grove Baptist Church is. All right, just to set that straight. All right, uh, we're going to get into our topic tonight. Again, I'm just going to shoot back one slide here to remind you. Uh, If by chance you're interested in asking a question or making a comment, whether you're in the auditorium or otherwise, uh, our text number is 414-788-6010, and as always, that's my personal cell. It's always available to anybody 24-7, not guaranteed they'll get it if it's 2 in the morning. It may wait till 7 or 8 in the morning to answer it, but uh, when I'm coherent. All right. Uh, Josh, we're going to get into, I think it's a pretty heavy topic tonight again. uh, Just as a a review, last week we worked on gender gender identity. Very serious subject. Uh, I think we handled it uh, with uh, a lot of, if you will, class in the way we went about it. If you haven't seen that one, I highly suggest you go to our website at uh, myugbc.com or sermonaudio.com or YouTube or Facebook Live. It just doesn't stop. And uh, look up that message. Folks, it's it's a a critical thing uh, that we need to deal with. So tonight, we're going to be looking at another major issue. And we've we've changed our format just a slight bit for those that... uh, uh, are new especially, and for those that have been coming for quite some time and have been faithful on Wednesday nights, or faithful to watch the, the broadcast, if you will, uh, we've been doing multiple different articles and concepts and maybe picking up five, six, seven subjects on a night. Well, we're taking that down to one subject a night and just really trying to get a little bit of in-depth on it. So again, last week uh, was the first time we did this. We just 100% on gender identity. We spent about 40 minutes going through the issues right now, culturally, that are happening. And then uh, the last 20 minutes we spent in the Word of God, examining it from a biblical perspective. So Josh, I'm going to flip the slide here, and why don't you introduce a little bit about what we're going to be looking at tonight.
1: Uh, Well, tonight's topic will be on socialism. And we'll be looking at some of the things that are happening, uh, especially uh, some different reports of what people think about socialism, even here in the United States. What is socialism? We're looking at the definitions. And then we're going to finish up, just like we did last week when we talked about the gender identity, we'll be finishing up looking at it through the lens of scripture and looking at a biblical analysis of of it and the ramifications of it.
0: All right. Very good. All right, uh, if there's, and I don't know if we have any first time visitors here tonight. Uh, this book just came out last week. I finished it and finally got it published. Uh, if you're a first time visitor, Valerie will be in the back at the end of the presentation around 8 o'clock tonight. And uh, if you're a first time, we'll give you one for free. If, uh, here's how for everybody else, where you'd like to at least recoup the cost on this, it's $5. Go on Amazon right now, it's nine ninety nine. dollars 99 so uh, we'd love to at least get the $5, but if you can't oh, wait, there's more. Uh, if you really can't even afford the $5 or a couple of dollars, we'll give it to you free, so uh, we want everybody to have one. It's 100% on evangelism. It's called, Are You Going to a Better Place? The question that demands an answer. I attack it from uh, basically a judicial standpoint, so it's being presented, not as not as a joke or not as a, a story. It's being presented literally. I give my testimony, and then we go through step-by-step step looking at if you had to answer this, are you going to a better place, which is a constant uh, thing that you hear, especially, if you will, at funerals. Uh, are you really going to a better place? So this is going out to the governor's prayer breakfast. The hundreds of copies have been picked up for that. Uh, quite a few have gone out already, so... If you're interested, uh, Valerie will be in the back and this, I'm telling you, if you read it, you're going to say, man, I wish, uh, my unsaved so-and-so would get this. You let us know if it's, uh, if you want, uh, uh, some extras and you can't afford them or don't want to pay. If you'll promise to hand them out, we'll make sure that you get what you need. Fair enough. I think that's fair.
1: Sounds good. All
0: right, let's do it. All right, let's get into our topic tonight and, uh. Josh, I know uh, we both spent some time working on this, so I want to make it very clear, as I always do, when uh, we use other people's material. A lot of what we're going to look at tonight is going to be from one individual. Some will not be, but uh, I've I've just got to give accolades to uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, who did just an outstanding video on the concept of socialism. So we're going to be looking at this, and again, uh, some people it's like, well, it's a church. Why do you care about things that are political? Well, folks, it's not just. It's not uh, the politics, is not what concerns me. What concerns us, and why we need to be educated as Christians, is because every time the government, if you will, makes a move to bring in something that is anti-biblical or totally opposed to biblical principles, it's things we need to understand. So again, as we go through this material, we're actually going to be spending, uh, we're looking actually at what happened in Venezuela. We'll look at a few other things. What we're seeing, of course, and it's nothing new, and anyone who watches the news, and some do, some don't, but anyone who's a little bit astute about what's taking place in our country, and of course across the world, Everything that's happening is pointing to the prophetic picture found in Revelation chapter 13 where there will be one world government, one world economy, and one world religion. Socialism is helping to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And you say, well, are you for socialism? No, I'm not. Uh, But, you know uh, why I can tolerate it, if you will? The answer is because it's setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And the next major event on God's prophetic calendar is rapture of the church. I mean, we're out of here. So every time we look at these things, it's not to basically throw a fit about what the government's doing or worldwide governments, if you will. It's analyzing things in the light of Bible prophecy to see things that are taking place and how, if you will, the world, including America, is heading in that Direction. All right, uh, we're going to go through these things and then uh, we'll spend some time on that and then we'll get into the biblical perspective in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to set the stage and then, Josh, uh, I'll turn it over to you to do a few of these. All right, so we're looking at what basically happened in Venezuela, which had a massive move towards socialism and it did not go well. So when we're looking at the, the, if you will, the socialist playbook. we see things that have happened down the line, and we're seeing some of that now uh, in living color taking place in a place like Russia that was the former Soviet Union, which is definitely, when you look at a dictator-type position and what's taking place, that is the quintessential socialist, or Marxist, as the case may be. So we'll talk about that and try and get, uh, if you're not uh, familiar with some of these terms, we'll, we'll hopefully make some sense. So the places that have had really implemented socialism, the Soviet Union, which of course already collapsed but now Russia's taking the place of that and doing a good job of going in that direction. Cuba, China, okay, we've been talked a ton about China here. When you look at China when you have uh, a very very strong dictator uh, that's running the country That is going in the socialist Marxist agenda and many other nations, of which the main one we'll be examining tonight is Venezuela. Now, I want to do one caveat, and then I'm going to have you start taking some of these, and we'll chit-chat back and forth. When we're talking about socialism, and there's some articles or some YouTube videos out on the Internet that talk about the, the graces, the wonders of socialism... They specifically cite the Scandinavian countries. Um, We're going to spend the entire program in two weeks. Next week we won't be on due to Easter. But the week after that, we're going to talk about welfare states, welfare countries and what that means. When you're looking at the Scandinavian scenario, they're not true socialists yet you'll see a lot of the things that are currently happening in America that are mimicking things that are happening in Scandinavia. Uh, you'll see that with, uh, uh, and again, uh, no disrespect meant, uh, you take it as you will, Obamacare is moving right down that same line. Other government programs that we have in America are basically, they're on the precipice that are starting to slide, if you will, into socialism. Now you say, well, man, I love these programs, and this is a great program, and that's a great program. And at the beginning, socialist programs can look really, really good, especially to those who are what? Who are benefiting by, benefiting by them. But when you get into the reality of them, and all of a sudden, all of these things that start with a little teeny thing, and all of a sudden they branch out until what? The government has complete control over Everything. All right, Josh, uh, I've kind of set the stage. I know you've done your homework, so let's start going through these things.
1: So, what we have here is a list of 15 uh, action steps that Hugo Chavez took when he brought Venezuela into uh, socialism. So, we're going to look at those 15 things. He implemented the socialist playbook. That was formulated by the Soviet Union, which we mentioned, Cuba, China, and other nations. So, number one, his first task was to rewrite the Venezuelan Constitution, guaranteeing citizens the so-called free rights of government.
0: Doesn't that sound good?
1: Yeah, it sounds great.
0: Right. On its face, these things sound wonderful. It's like, here's what the government can do for you. And that is exactly what you're seeing taking place. And again, please don't think this is that we're out here slamming our current government. We're seeing the current government, the current administration, taking up these same concepts. Now, our Constitution has not been rewritten yet, and that's a good thing. We're still holding stable on that particular issue. But eventually, if indeed America goes completely in that direction and it's in our lifetime, that'll be one of the things that there'll probably be some significant amendments coming on. How do you overcome those amendments today? How do you overcome the Constitution today? What does the chief executive have the right to do that actually changes things it actually might have formerly been a constitutional violation, but today it's good to go because what? And, and he shout it out if you know it. What? Say what? There you go. Executive orders. Now, you say, well, President Trump did some executive orders. Yes, he did. President Biden's done executive orders. Yes, he has. Now, you may say, well, I like this set of executive orders, but this set, not so much. All right, and again, uh, we're not going to get into the specifics of that from a political statement. What we're looking at is as, as the Bible is setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. We look at these issues. It's like, all right, has this happened yet? Well, yes and no. On, on its face, Constitution still just as intact as it ever was, but, and again. And it's so hard not to get involved into the actual politics that's taking place, but two presidents, the last two administrations, have each had the chance to get a Supreme Court justice put in place. Does that have a major impact on the way things are going to function in our country? Right? It does. So when we look at that, and that's, uh, again, why uh, I always encourage folks to go out and vote. Vote your conscience. Vote who we believe will do the best job. Uh, uh, from what perspective? Well, if we're trying to maintain a good, godly uh, country, then these things become extremely important, as was uh, just pointed out in the last few weeks. So uh, the president or the country or the administration or who's in the Senate or who's in Congress is going to determine what happens in this church someday. Right now we still have freedom. That could change someday, and I honestly believe it will change someday. Hopefully we're raptured before that happens. All right, Josh, uh, next.
1: All right. Number two, Chavez provided government-controlled health care.
0: Talk to me about it.
1: So (laughs) we're seeing this, of course, a little bit in our country as well. So the government took over all of the uh, Medical field and decided the, the treatments, decided the, who would get treated and who wouldn't, and so it became completely under their control.
0: Okay, so I think what you're referencing is a lot of the COVID issues.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, sure. so I mean, we've seen that in living color, and we've seen it in living color right here in Union Grove and uh, uh, counties that surround us. So when all of a sudden, and of course there is still some freedom, I mean it's not 100% socialized medicine yet, but when the government, when uh, 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 the federal mandates come out and they limit care, and we've seen it. We have people that have experienced it. I know a few sitting in this room right now have gone through it and experienced it. It's a real deal. So when the government gets involved in private health care, when they make mandates, when they make federal rules, when you have one specific individual who basically, I won't name uh, who he is, but it's doctor, starts with an F, um, all of a sudden he disappeared off the scene for quite, I mean, several weeks, you haven't heard heighten or hair of the guy, and all of a sudden last week, guess who pops up again, Right? And it's like, but that is a federal issue and their invasion into, if you will, private medicine, which is taking place. So when you have, and and folks, how many of you enjoy paying exorbitant medical bills? How many of you love, uh, 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 after your insurance pays their whatever percentage on your, those of you that have insurance, which I assume everybody does, and if you don't, that's where the, uh, if you will, the federalized, Insurance can pop in based on income, but there are caveats to that as to the kind of care you get. What happens, uh, uh, just speaking about this, what happens when the hospitals were full at one point, and all of a sudden you've got a serious medical condition, and what did they tell you?
1: You have to wait. Bye-bye.
0: There's no room at the end. All right. So these are huge issues when, if you will, the government steps in and starts controlling things, starts... Boy, we could go on all night for this. This is actually a a whole session in itself. What happens when uh, uh, the government says you're sick, but because a former, maybe administration guy from the federal government said this was a good medication, and all of a sudden they shut it off because he said it was good? Can't be good. That's what happens, folks. When you get uh, go down the socialist path. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, Number three, he instituted free college education.
0: I like that. Yeah. 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 Free free college. What what do you know about that?
1: Well, just from what I'm seeing here is there's a big push right now to eliminate student debt, college student, university student debt. And the problem is that somebody is responsible for that money, and they're just moving the responsibility from the students that got the education, really, I believe, to the taxpayers if I'm understanding their program right.
0: I think you understand it fairly well. All right, so let's ask a question, and we'll be looking at this from a biblical perspective in a few minutes. So, Josh, I've probably, and by the way, I literally paid off my own school bills. I've got, I've been through multiple schools. I have two doctorates, which means I had to get a master's and a bachelor's and all that. And I paid for all of it out of my little pocket. And my dad paid for some for the first few years. So let's say I didn't pay those off and I get a phone call at least once a week from some agency, which I do. And they said, well, we're ready to forgive your student debt. Here's what you must do. And of course I hit block yep. and it's like, I'm not interested. So you got $100,000 debt when you get out of most major colleges today. hundred grand. So, Josh, I had, a, let's say I, which I don't, but let's say I had $100,000 debt right now. And the government says, you know, Brother Rich, we kind of like you. And we're going to forgive that $100,000 debt. This
1: is a fictional story. I it guess. is. It is.
0: <laughs> Boom. Anyway, my good buddy. Who's going to pay that $100,000 bill that I'm not going to pay? Who's going to pay it? Y'all, my good friends out here, they're all going to pay that bill. Is that, in a biblical sense, called theft? You're like, ooh, that's a strong term. Yeah, Rich went out, spent the 100000 bucks, and I said, okay, look at all them people out there. They're going to pay my bill and your bill, and everybody else's bill. And we're all just going to live happily ever after and split up the billions of dollars of bills that people spent, and we're just going to divide it among the good, solid taxpayers in America. That's theft. I didn't hear any amens or thinking Amen. on that one. Think about it. Just think about it. Think about the premise. When you go out and you spend the money and someone else is mandated to pay your bill, that's socialism in its best form. You watched in the presidential debates multiple individuals, one in particular, that was very, very strong on we will pay all student debt because all the rich folks got a pitch in and split up the... uh, And they always blame the rich folks. Check out your middle-class taxes this year, folks, if there's any doubt about that. All right, and again, I'm not trying to pick on our government, but it just happens. All right, Josh, go ahead.
1: Uh, Number four, implementation of social justice.
0: What does that mean?
1: Well, um, basically saying that there's different groups that have been mistreated, and so we have to bring different laws into place or rights into place that favor them and kind of try to repair something from the past, for example, yeah. that the people in the present didn't necessarily have a responsibility to to do because they weren't alive back when those things happened. So. All right.
0: So what's the best way to get somebody feeling empowered? You make them victims. Yeah. All right. We talked a great deal about that last week when we talked about gender identity. The key, one of the key things in socialism is for those that are in a minority. 0.34% we talked about last week, uh, uh, and that caused a massive change in some things, including passports and uh, uh, federal laws involving uh, the LGBTQI community and so forth. Very minor, but you make them feel like they've been harmed. And what all of a sudden does that little teeny minority do? They scream and get everybody's attention. Now, this is going to, and uh, Dr. Jeremiah talks about this, and we may or may not get to it, but here's another major issue. When in the last, before about the last 10 years, the 20 years before that, I personally, now some will very much disagree with this, thought there was a tremendous movement to increase relationships among various races, specifically the black and the white community. Now, again, is it was it perfect? No, were there problems? Yes. So don't overstate or over conclude what I'm stating here. I worked for an African-American black sheriff for 15 years years, who I loved, respected, and we worked well together. Every major sports team is made up predominantly of African-American individuals. The governments in all major urban centers usually have uh, their top people in the positions are usually from the African-American community or based on their place, some from the Asian community or Hispanic community and so forth. So it appeared that things were really going in a good direction. Uh, I worked in a very multicultural, uh, several 2,000 people organization for quite some time, and uh, there was good relationships. All of a sudden, things come on the scene, specifically a few deaths that happened between cops and uh, uh, the African-American community, and all of a sudden, everything went to trash. And now racism and uh Cultural wars have exponentially fired up again. All right, so you say. Well, what are you saying here? Are there? Do you, you say, Pastor Rich. Do you honestly believe that there's still issues that uh, the communities need to work on? Absolutely. I'm not denying that whatsoever. But here's what's happening with socialism: make everyone a what? Victim. A victim. You've got to be a victim to be heard and to cause noise and to cause disruption in society. So who comes on the scene? And this will be another full-blown segment we'll go into, which is the BLM movement. Now, on its face, when it first came out, except for those who understood the politics behind it, it was like, all right, there are some things that uh, uh, the black community, if you will, definitely needs some help on in a good way. They need help. They need support. They need some things. But what happened with that group? Subversive anarchists that cause riots in the street. They're living in, uh, if you watch the news, you'll see uh, the, the main players living in luxury and all that kind of thing, and they abused it because they were victimized, and now they have a major, major voice in the country. That's how socialism works. Take a cause, scream, yell, make yourself a victim, and bam—you fall right into the socialist trap.
1: The, the term "social justice" is, is to me, a misnomer because, on its face, it sounds like something everybody should want. You know, we should all want justice. I mean, we say all the time, "God is just" from a Christian perspective, and we want our judges and our courts to be just in their rulings. And so, everyone wants justice but the issue is that when and, and the other thing is that that there has been injustice yep against different ethnicities and different things like that. So there has been things that have happened. And I think that's where it gains a lot of traction is you pick out those specific things that have happened or things that happened a long time ago in the past and bring those into the present and then put this title on there and it sounds so compelling. Because we should really want to care for people that are um, being oppressed and different things like that, but it's a misleading—it's a misleading title to me, just right. based on what I'm seeing, how they're handling it.
0: Good point. All right. So that's an issue we're going to get into more on that in the future, but we're setting the stage now on a big thirty-thousand-foot le- level for the things that are going to lead to socialism and basically could. If we don't put it in check, cause a major disturbance in our country and, of course, around the world in other countries. All right, uh, what's the next one, number five?
1: Number five was Chavez stacked the court with 12 new justices, all of which were loyal to Chavez.
0: All right, now let's be honest. Conservatives, liberals alike, if you're a conservative, who are you going to put in the, or attempt to get into the main justice positions? conservatives. If you're a liberal, who are you going to attempt to get in? Liberals. If you're a socialist, who are you going to get to put in? Socialists, right? So, of course, that I mean, it, it, it's this, that, it's 50-50, but when there's an attempt, now it hasn't happened yet, but what happens if all of the sudden things change and now they say, well, we're going to stack a bunch of more courts, we're going to add positions, we're going to change things, that's what happened in Venezuela. Now, they had, they had a pretty easy goal of it getting these justices in, but they completely changed the legislature. In other words, the legislature makes the what? The laws. The legislature, and for a quick civics lesson, the legislature or those that you elect to, Congress, senators, whatever, they're the legislature. They make the laws that control your life. Who then enforces those laws? The what? Executive. All right, the the executives at the top, of it. But who's actually putting them into practice? Who who goes on the street? What what system are the what? The judicial. judicial. All right. So the judicial system and the cops are part of that. And, the, and I shouldn't call them cops, but I was one, so I was a cop anyway for thirty-two years. But uh, you got the judicial system. The cops arrest people. They bring them to whom? The district attorney's office. The district attorney decides who's going to get charged and who goes home. So, the district attorney is a major player in this. After the district attorney decides who's going to get charged and not charged, then where does the case go to what? Goes to the elected judge. The commissioner first sets the bail, usually. A judge could set bail. In certain circumstances, it goes to court. Then what happens? Well... You have uh, sometimes the judge does the trial, sometimes the jury does the trial. It can go either way based on certain conditions, and we won't get into all that. But what happens if the judge is a socialist versus a, that's been appointed, by the way, at, so, at sometimes by times uh, uh, if a judge vacates a seat, and then we elect them? Well, what happens if the whole country is buying into the socialist agenda? What kind of judges are you going to get?
1: Social.
0: It's just the way the cookie goes, folks. Is it just all keeps going downhill. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on. We're taking a lot more time than I thought this was appreciated. Verse, uh, verse 6. Number 6. Uh,
1: <clears throat> number 6 was that he, uh, let's see, fully in control. I'm, I'm assuming that Chavez became yep. fully in control of the courts in the legislature.
0: All right, so we basically talked about yep. that. Next.
1: Number 7, nationalize the media removing every voice of dissent
0: <laughs> serious like this could actually happen <laughs> you know it can happen and it's serious uh, what happened uh, in Russia How, what, what did they do to their own media Ron you said it They, they shut them down uh, you arrested people some of the journalists were killed you don't mess with Texas, folks, when when this goes bad and when a, a socialist dictator or a Marxist dictator says uh, silencio, por favor, you better be quiet, and it's, it's no joke. So get a hold of the media. What's happening to the media in America? Again, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of debate on that. Uh, what's the biggest problem we have? It's getting heard, right? And you only hear one side 90% of the time. Uh, It's a little bit down the line, and we may not get to it tonight, but the cancel culture. Shut us out. Don't listen to these fundamentalist pastors and Bible-believing people and conservative people. Shut them down. That's part of socialism. Next.
1: Well, just to uh, add to the media, um, what he probably didn't have access to at that time, which we do have now, is social media. And so we're seeing um, social media and the free speech that was available there is being taken away as well. So, just as a...
0: Yep, no, it's good.
1: Comment. Next. Uh, number eight, authorized government agencies to seize privately owned wealth and property from Venezuela citizens, all in the name of fairness and equity.
0: Uh, we talked about what this is called a little bit earlier. What's this called? Theft. It's called theft. Basically, uh, you got too much... We're taking it. Now, folks, if you you think that can happen, oh, yeah, it can happen. Uh, It's happened in socialist countries. Uh, We're not going to get into details right now, but, folks, when all of a sudden the government says, yep, uh, right now it's taxes, we're going to tax XYZ, we take as much as we want. How come you pay so much in taxes right now? You know exactly why. How do you fight that? You can't. It's tough. You know, you, you can go after it. You can uh, call your legislatures. You can try and get things changed. But when all of a sudden the government says we're shutting down the system, we're closing all the banks, we're taking all your money, we're seizing your property, and we'll give you what you think you can have, folks, that's socialism. That's exactly what happens when you head in that direction. Next
1: Chavez took control of the nation's oil industry and expelled all foreign investors.
0: What? Did I mishear you?
1: No, you didn't.
0: Oh, thanks. I'm tardy. Thank you. <laughs> took over the oil industry. Yeah. All right, folks. Now, again, I try not to get political, but again, it's so hard in our situation right now, not to see exactly what's taking place. Do you understand that almost nine out of nine right now are the paths that a certain country is walking down? What happened to the oil well? Where's Valerie? Right there. We got this big a piece, if you can almost see my fingers touching, of an oil well in Montana. When they were pumping oil, she actually got some dividend checks, you know, 50 cents or so. (laughs) Now I don't even get the 50 cents anymore when they shut down the pipeline. Control the oil. I'm sorry, dear. Did I? It takes three years to get a check. Yeah, well, don't hold your breath. The the bottom line is what's taking place. And this is is serious. I mean, it's a little funny because we got this little teeny piece of uh, Jet Clampett's oil well, but uh, <laughs> in reality, what happens when, when you do what we're doing? You are paying for it today. How many of you went to the gas pumps today? Oh, I was thrilled to death. $3.59. I say what? Yeah, and you know you why know I was thrilled? Because I've been horn because a year ago I was paying 259 a few days or a few weeks ago. I was paying 393 when I went to Minnesota. And now, oh, what a wonderful thing the government's doing. They released a bunch of oil and now we're all the way down to $353. is not this wonderful? No. <laughs> it's getting a little rough here. We may have to call security, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, you're all facing it. And this is exactly why, because it's exactly what's supposed to happen. Get the oil under control, and it's going to affect the citizens. And what are you going to become dependent on? Government. (laughs) Government. All right, that's socialism. And again, I wish, it, I wish the illustrations weren't so, weren't so easy to come by, but they are. All right, let's zip through the next few, right. and then we'll have to go to the Bible so just, and uh, uh, get some insights.
1: Go ahead. In sequence here, the nationalization of multiple um, areas, sectors, nationalized power companies. Number 11, nationalized the farms. Number 12, nationalizing the banks. Number 13, nationalizing, I'm sorry, the mines was number 12. Number 13, nationalizing the banks. Number 14, the grocery stores. And then number 15, eliminating election term limits.
0: Yeah, okay. Need we say any more, folks? So you see exactly where things are going. You know where things are going. We're watching this go in that direction. All right. Again, I want to thank Dr. David Jeremiah. Uh, He did an excellent video on this, and I extracted these 15 points from what he put out there. There's many, many more things we could go to, but uh, again, I thought he did just a stellar job bringing these things out. All right, so why are all these things happening? So let's get back to the prophetic scenario. We go right back, and folks, that's why I keep pounding on Revelation 13, the one world economy, the one world government, and the one world religion. Everything that's happening in society right now is pushing, pushing, pushing uh, towards that inevitable position when everything will be under globalism. By the way, when you, right now, if we had a dictator in America, is that a global issue today? It's heading there, okay, so it's a trick question. When you have a countries like China, like Russia, like Cuba and other ones that are going in that, that, some in Venezuela, that have embraced the socialist Marxist agenda, they already got the one dictator in place in their area. All right, so, and it's like, do you see that happening in America? Well, very well could. But those guys are the BMOC on campus, or the big man on campus right now. They got the power, they got the, they got the moxie, they got the accolades, they get the news conferences. Well, what's going to happen when all of a sudden those 200-plus countries that each have their own, or many of them will have their own person in place as a dictator in their country, and all of a sudden something happens massive that gets worldwide attention? And all of a sudden, Mr. Swavola comes on the scene, known as the Antichrist, and sucks all of these 200 countries who are going to be in a horrible situation. We don't even know what it's going to be. The Bible doesn't tell us. But all of a sudden, this one guy shows up on the scene, and all these 200 guys are basically somehow going to say, I give up. You got it, brother. It's all yours. Folks, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's like, that's crazy, it can't happen. We're watching it happen, all right? So God's setting the stage. All right, we're going to come, I want to go to the scriptures now. There's probably another 30 slides. We're going to uh, obviously do two parts on this because we barely touched on it. But uh, does this making a little bit of sense? Hopefully it is. All right, now excuse me while I flip through a bunch of slides here. and We'll come back to these at a later time. But I think it's very important that we spend a little time in the scriptures because this is called prophecy focus, and we're talking about biblical. Oops. Yeah, thanks. Now I'm too far. All right. There we go. Oh, you need to run this. I'll mess it up. (laughs) All right. So we're going to look at some biblical principles now. It's like, okay, so we've gone all through these 15 different elements, all these different things that... Uh, Are pieces of the socialist culture, what can we do? Alright, so we're going to start out with the dignity of work. Now, one of the things, and we didn't really get specific into it, what happens in a socialist country when it comes to labor? The concept is everybody throws all their money into one big pool. Whose pool is that, by the way? It's the government pool. In other words, you make a hundred thousand, you make a million. Both you guys, all that money goes right here into Central World USA, and we're going to tell the millionaire you're going to get what I tell you. The hundred thousand guy, you're going to get what I tell you. The person that doesn't have a job, you go make out like a bandit, brother, um, which he is. And with all seriousness, so socialism basically evens the playing field. You say, well, that's a great thing. By the way, if you go to the book of Acts, you're going to find an even playing field that existed at one point. We're going to talk about it again. We can't into everything tonight, but we will hit on it. Why all of a sudden in Acts did everybody have everything on an even playing field? Did you ever ask yourself that question? If you've read the first couple chapters of Acts, all of a sudden everybody gave everything basically and everybody split things up. In fact, remember Ananias and Sapphira? What happened to them? God killed them. Why did he kill them? Because they said, hey, we gave all our money uh, so everybody could live off uh, uh, an even platform. And they lied about it. How much did they actually give? Only part of it. They were, they were capitalists too. And uh, yet they lied and said they were socialists, if you will. And uh, God didn't appreciate them lying to the Holy Spirit and killed both of them for lying. Now, why did that happen, though? Folks, and and again, this is a long lesson. I'm going to give you a two-second analysis of why it happened. Number one is because the church was horrifically persecuted. They were all facing death. They were all facing uh, uh, being thrown in prison. They were literally, they had nothing. And these people pooled their resources so they all could survive. It wasn't taking a million dollars from the rich guy and this guy over here who never did a, a, a thing in his life and all of a sudden making them even. That's a whole Bible study. We're going to get into that in another time. That's the basic synopsis of what happened. But here's the, the thing. Let's go to the dignity of work, Josh, and uh, start getting through some of these
1: Ephesians 4.28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need.
0: I don't know if you know the answer to this, but we'll give it a shot. In socialist countries, are people motivated to work? No. (laughs) They answered for you.
1: Thanks.
0: Why aren't they motivated to work? Why work when it gets handed to you? Say what? There you go. Just, That's right. Yeah, this here is one of them there educated ed groups. Yeah, why work if you don't have to? Why can't we go to a restaurant and get any help? Why do you got to wait for two hours to get in because there's one waitress working? Why is that, folks? Well, I can tell you why. I thought they'd jump on that one, too. Say what? COVID money. Yeah, COVID money. Surplus money. Stimulus Stimulus money. Oh, Oh, listen to this. This It's going good. You got them fired up. (laughs) Sounds like a, no. Anyway, it's good. Why don't they go to work? Well, why in the world would you go to work if somebody's going to pay you to stay home? Now, the socialist agenda is going to be a little bit different. You need to show up at work, but they're going to pay you the same thing regardless of how much work you perform. So this guy over here who's, I mean, he's Einstein, and he's doing great, and he knows everything, and then some, and this guy's kind of average, and that guy, and uh, they all get the same paycheck. They all live in the same housing project, regardless of how smart they are, regardless of how much time they put in their job. That is the opposite of a word that starts with a C, which is capitalism. Does God want us to work? Ephesians 4, 28 says, <laughs> go to work. We're going to hit another one. Josh, you're talking too long. you got to go quicker. <laughs> all right, next one. Private property. Should you have the right to own your own property? And yes. we can only, have you read this? The verses? Yeah. I right, just. No. All right, let me take this one. You'll get the next one. we got 15 verses. We can't get through them. Exodus chapter 22 basically sets out this principle. If you steal something, you're going to repay them double. That's the principle here. If you uh, uh, steal something, if you take something, uh, uh, a property, if you mess somebody else's property up, you're going to pay them back not just what you messed up, but you're going to pay them double. And uh, certain parts of the law was five times as much based on what the property was. The bottom line to to this is, Socialist? what do they want to do with your property? <laughs> it's all government. You don't, you don't get any property if you're in a socialist country. The government owns it. They tell you where you're going to live. They're going to tell you what you're going to get. You say, I can't believe that happens. I know there's at least one person here that came out, and I'm not going to point the person out, came out of a, um, some of the a social, or a country that was going socialist. I'll tell you what time of day it was. All right, uh, we're going to skip that because it's just too long. We'll get to the next one. Uh, private property, private property, private property, private property. A whole lot about it. I think God's for private property based on how many verses we skip. All right, uh, what about a savings account? What do you think about that?
1: Proverbs thirteen twenty-two: A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous.
0: That's an interesting contrast, especially based on what we're talking about. Yeah. A good man leaves an inheritance. How do you leave an inheritance to your children? Save. Okay, I mean, invest. go ahead.
1: Save and invest and be careful and responsible with your, with your money.
0: Now, this is a, let's just keep going. <laughs> Stewardship, Proverbs 21
1: There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it.
0: All right, how can you squander something that the the government didn't give you? If you have nothing, you can't really squander anything. What is the principle here? He's like, okay, the principle, he's not talking about socialism here. He's talking about you go to work, you get a certain amount of money. You better take care of it and invest it wisely, use it wisely, and have good stewardship principles. Now the socialists can attempt to do the same thing, but uh, this is pointing out what God gives you, what you've worked for, what you've earned. Don't squander it. Treat, Treat your wealth properly, regardless of how much wealth you have. All right, next. Matthew 25,
1: 14 to 30, we find the parable of the talents and the silver coins.
0: Alright, so I'll very quickly go through that. You remember Matthew chapter 25, starting, uh, I think it's about verse 31. Turn to it real quick. This is very important, because what is God pointing out in Matthew 25, which actually is is, uh, talking about, uh, it's a prophetic scenario, looking to the end of the tribulation time, about what are we doing while we're, and this will be specifically for the tribulation saints in Matthew 25, What are you doing while you're waiting for Jesus Christ to come back and set up his millennial kingdom? And uh, chapter 25 starting at verse 14. uh, uh, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own service and delivered his goods to them. What's he talking about? Jesus came here at his first advent. Where is he today? Is he here? He's not here. Physically. I mean spiritually, of course, Christ is everywhere, but he's up in heaven right now. So, It says, uh, and it's a parable. It's talking about when Jesus left. What did he do? Well, he said, okay, uh, you guys get to work, invest properly, use your talents, if you will, talent. speaking of money in this particular, uh, talent was a a measure of silver specifically. He says, what uh, I've left you to invest, what I've left you to do, make some progress with it, if you will, for the kingdom of God. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Now, You remember the scenario, what happens? The guy who had five talents or five measures of silver, he goes out, he invests some, and man, he makes ten talents, he doubles the wealth. The guy with two talents goes out, what does he do? He invests his resources, he pours it into, uh, uh, if you will, what his master had given him, and lo and behold, he doubles his uh, uh, effectiveness. Don't just put this in financial, put this in any resource, any skill that you have, any talent, any gift that God gives to you, and what's God saying? Good job! And here's what he says. Go to verse 21. uh, For the guy who had five five talents and doubled him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Good job, brother. Uh, the guy then comes with uh, two talents and said, uh, Lord, I, I, I didn't have as much as the guy that you gave five to, but I still doubled it. And God said, I didn't give it to you. Uh, it's the same am- uh, amount, but uh, what did you do with him? He says, I doubled what you gave me. Uh, verse 22, I've gained two more talents. Verse 23, his Lord said to him, now again, this is a parable. This is what Jesus would say to these people. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's a party. God's pleased with what they did. Then comes the socialist. Verse 25, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, take what's what's yours. Leave me alone. Verse 26, His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Listen, buddy, here's what you should have done. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Take his money away. And You know what's really sad, folks? Verse 30. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, folks, again, this is a tribulation scenario. It's not We certainly could make application in the church age, but what's God saying here? He's saying, listen, when I give you resources, when I give you uh, talents, meaning literal uh, skill-type talents, not just money, when I give you talents, when I give you skill sets, yeah, use them for me. That's what God's saying. I ain't just outright it, it can't be any plainer. Uh, so should we be making proper investments? You can't make an investment if you don't have any resources. And When the government takes resources, it negates everything we looked at. All right, next one. we got about four minutes.
1: One quick observation yes. on, that, on that parable. God did not spread the wealth evenly. Yeah, very
0: good. Oh, that's very good, isn't it? Good job. Just a, just a thought. That's a great thought. All right. Go ahead.
1: First Timothy 5.18, for the Scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his wages.
0: The laborer is worthy of what?
1: His wages. What,
0: what happens if I sit down and smoke a cigarette and never get out of my chair and they still pay me the same amount? Is that proper? Absolutely not. By the way, I don't smoke. I just threw that in there. <laughs> that's bad. Anyway, but that's what happens, right? I shouldn't pick on our... Good employees that stand around and watch the one person do all the work while six guys stand around them with their shovels. That wouldn't be very nice. That it it? doesn't
1: really happen, does it?
0: How many of you have seen that? It drives me berserk. Six guys watching the one guy with the shovel. Yeah. Hey, hey, A hey. uh, little to the right there, buddy. Yeah. Labor. Earn your wages. You can't do that. In, I mean, the socialists don't care. Show up at work. We don't care what you do.
1: Next. 2 Thessalonians three ten through 12. Uh, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through the, our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. I need your own bread
0: if you can't get any. Right? Eat your own bread. In other words, go to work. And folks, I know we're preaching to the choir here, but here's why we're bringing these things out, because this is the kind of thing that God is warning us and saying, listen, folks, you better pay attention. And while conservative individuals, specifically in our camp, conservative Christians still exist, we need to do what we can before this goes completely awry and down the wrong tube. How do you do that? Well, try and elect officials. That'll do the right thing. Don't give up on the electoral process. Don't give up. Vote. Number two, write those congressmen and those senators. Call them. If we all did it, they would get sick and tired of listening to all of us hit on the same thing. If it's only two or three of us doing it, it's like yeah, yeah, it's just noise. They don't they don't listen to noise. If they if they think they're going to lose the election, that's they're going to listen about that. And you take a stand. Now you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be discourteous. We always speak the truth and what. But you got to speak the truth. Uh, Let's see. First Amendment of the Constitution before we lose it. Are you all citizens of America? It doesn't matter if you're a citizen. Do you live in America? (laughs) It's basically the way it is. Then what do you have the right to do? If they said you're a citizen, even if you're not, and they're going to listen to you, what ought you to do? A redress. In other words, you file a grievance with the government. Say, ah, that's a lot of work. And will they really listen? Don't think negative. Think positive. What can we do? All right, we've got time for the last one here.
1: Uh, Exodus twenty fifteen, the commandment, you shall not steal. And then Ephesians 4, 28, we read earlier.
0: All right, read it one more time. Please. Let
1: him whose soul steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. One more. Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's.
0: All right, so what do we close with? And again, we have literally, I mean, we barely touched the tip of the iceberg here. Why are we going through these things? It's to set the stage for what's going to take place in America and the world. It's not its not surprising Seriously, it's not surprising that the global situation is going in that direction. There are so many other subjects that we need to touch on when it comes to that. And we'll, over the next months and year, if I'm still living, we're not raptured. Uh, we'll get into these things. But here was 15 specific things that are saying, uh, America, have you seen any of this? What do you need to do? Last verse. Second Chronicles, not Corinthians, 2nd Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I might have that out of order, but that's all the four of them. If we will do that. Then God says, I will hear from heaven, I'll hear your prayers, and guess what? I'll heal your land. Folks, we need some more good old-fashioned prayer meetings around the country. What do you think? Josh, pulls us out.
1: Father, we just thank you so much that we can indeed bring all these things to you in prayer. Please help us to be a praying church and a praying people, Lord, to constantly uh, bring these issues to the throne of grace. Help us indeed to humble ourselves, Lord, and to search our hearts for the pride that might be there, and I just pray that we would fervently seek your face as your people. And Lord, we just uh, offer these things to you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, and the free speech that we do enjoy, to be able to talk about these things and to to look at them from your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: All right. on the way out, remember next Wednesday, there's no